1: We're not a democracy. This is the Tyler Morgan Show on Relentless Daring Media Network. Welcome back to the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is the Tyler Morgan Show live on twitch.tv slash. The Tyler Morgan Show, or maybe you're watching this later on YouTube, youtube.com slash at the Tyler Morgan Show. I don't know why that's there, but hey, that's how YouTube wants it. So that's what YouTube gets. You can also check me out on Rumble. Let's go to Rumble and search for The Tyler Morgan Show or Relentless Daring. Either way, and at both YouTube and Rumble, please, please, please hit the subscribe button and then hit the bell, get notifications about new episodes, because new episodes are what we are all about. Or it's drinking bourbon and making bad decisions. Either or. But first, I have to give a shout-out to the suppliers of my Beard Care products, Blue Collar Beardsmen. I've been talking about them for a while. I've been telling you about their amazing beard oils. But... As of this week, they have something new on the website. Or if you happen to be somewhere in the Midwest, specifically here in Missouri, and they happen to have their booth set up, something you can get in person, it would be their new beard oils. Or not, their new beard oils. Oh, my gosh.
0: No, you look like an idiot.
1: <laughs> their new beard butters. Yes, beard butters. That way, uh, and this got like, I forgot what they, a little, Little bit of beeswax, so you can get some, you know, shape and some hold going on. It's got some, uh, uh, I believe shea butter and some uh, cocoa butter. It's all good stuff. And a little bit of the, uh, the scents that you know and love from their standard lineup. Check out their products at bluecollarbeardsman.com and get some beard oil that way, you know, condition that beard. That way it's nice and soft. It's not brittle and itchy. keeps the skin underneath healthy because, honestly, when you let your beard dry out, then your skin dries out, and that's what gives you the itch and discomfort with having a beard. And believe me, with seven months of growth, I kind of know how that gets when you're just like, face itch. But like I said, they make great products. Or maybe and you maybe you want to rep their stuff. You can get a blue-collar beardsman hat. Um or maybe you like to, you know, be a little bit more groomed, a little bit more, you know, a little bit more looking less unkempt. You can also get combs there, and they have different styles of combs. They're carbon fiber, they're good, high quality, durable combs. They're not that flimsy cheap plastic stuff like you get at the dollar store. These are some seriously good combs and they do a great job working those little tangles that tend to form up in your beard over time. If you're like me, it's like every day you got you have to comb it out or else you end up in a big old frizzy, knotted up mess and it hurts when you're trying to get trying to get the tangles cleared out and you know, it's just yanking on your skin and your on your face and your neck. So, check them out bluecollarbeardsman.com. Check out their great lineup of scents for their oils and now beard butters blue collar beardsman.com. All right. So I also need to give a shout out to a Twitter user at hogasm, also known as giblets. Um, he stumbled across something and he like misheard it. And he's like, Hey, can, can I, since, you know, Relentless Daring, you know, it's the name of the overarching company, company that, you know, is home to the Tyler Morgan Show and the Whiskey Pod, you know, Relentless Daring Media Productions, that's what the podcast name originally was, you know, back before I rebranded here earlier this year, it was Relentless Daring. And so he asked, after hearing it, hey, can I be the first relentless bastard? I did some thinking and some hemming and hawing on it. So yeah, relentless bastards. Now, if that offends you, I mean, you can still like be like my buddy Kurt, and you can be a turd burglar, or you can call your or you can call yourself a relentless bastard if you are a listener to the show. I'll allow it. Be sure to use the uh, hashtag. Stay Relentless, or hashtag Relentless Bastard, so I know who you are. Uh, I can search those on the YouTube, well, maybe not the YouTubes, but the Twitters, the Facebooks, and all that. So, awesome, I'm going to work on getting some uh, Relentless Bastard shirts made, and put them up for sale at RelentlessDaring.com shop. And, uh, wait, you can identify yourself with being of the show. And being a fan of the show, it's awesome. Love to see your pictures with the merch whenever people buy it and they send it. Aaron McIntyre of the Steve Day Show, he purchased one of my uh, virtue signal face masks that I made back during COVID, and uh, I I, I shared the link with him because someone called the mask virtue signal. I'm like, hey, you can get your virtue signal right here, and he bought it. And I was like, oh, oh my god, Aaron bought my mask. And then he's wearing it out in public and Steve sees it and he was just absolutely tickled by it. So again, the merch stuff, whatever it's seen out in the wild is kind of awesome. So again, if you buy merch, you know, take your pictures with it. Use the hashtag relentless bastard or hashtag stay relentless. That way we can see it. And I can share it. And so show people like, Hey, look, there's fans that actually like the show. It's awesome. All right, so getting into the news and crazy of the day. Um we've seen Hollywood uh, over the past several years, let's let's call it decade really really pushing social justice issues. Now, okay, I'm fine with that Hollywood's been pushing these issues forever, but it's not been so I'm going to go out of my way to piss off 90% of the people who watch our shows, watch our movies. And this weekend, I, I've been seeing a lot of stuff. Uh, the South Park uh, Enter the Panderverse came out last night or Thursday, and it just rips on Disney. Uh, Number one, the whole really lazy tokenist trope of I'm going to replace these characters that everyone knows and has been part of the zeitgeist for generations with token black people. I'm going to replace them with token women, token black women, token Asian women. I'm just going to yellow, brown, and blackwash everything just to make a point, and it has, so, uh, so Trey Stone and Matt Parker, they have Well, they did this episode really just smacking Kathleen Kennedy around, and it, granted, they do take some shots to the people who always sit and complain. Oh, There's an awful blah blah blah, and one of the things they do bring up, and I think does add the nuance to the conversation is a social justice principle is discussing miles Morales with Kyle. Well, I bet you hate, you know, this guy too. And Kyle's like, well, no, he has his own story. He has his own. He has his own flaws. He has all these different things that were written into him that makes him everything other than black Peter Parker. And so it's one of those things where, yeah, you can have stories that represent someone who might not regularly be represented. You know, Miles Morales, a a black kid of Dominican uh, descent, who has an entirely different background growing up than Peter Parker did. And he suddenly finds himself becoming Spider-Man. That's fine. That's great. But when you just, all right, we're making Spider-Man and we're going to cast Michael B. Jordan as Peter Parker. Okay, I guess. um, So tell us about this Peter Parker. Well, we don't know anything about his parents. He was raised by his Aunt May and his Uncle Ben. His Uncle Ben got killed and is dying. And be, before his death, he imparted great, uh, great power comes great responsibility. It's like So what you're saying is you're taking all of the Spider-Man stuff that people have known for decades from the initial Spider-Man origin story Cause he's been he's been rebooted and uh just brought back numerous times, and his backstory is generally the same. But you're just taking all of it and you're just uh putting a black guy in. There there's no he grew up in this neighborhood under these circumstances, and his outlook is shaped by X, Y, and Z. None of that has changed to Match this character, okay. Yeah, I guess. And then I said it has become really lazy. Um, it's like uh, the little mermaid when Disney said, Oh, we're going to do a live action. Okay, this is a character who has existed in literature for a couple hundred years. But we're going to take this Danish fish lady and we're going to make her black. Because, I mean, I mean, just for argument's sake, we'll say it's set in the Caribbean. So, obviously, the black people in the Caribbean because of slavery, blah, 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 blah. So, we have a black, we have a black mermaid. But nothing changed other than Ariel's skin color. That's just being lazy, and then the whole using the multiverse thing has gotten has become the cliche uh, with especially with Disney and Marvel and the direction that Marvel's going. I know this going away from political and social commentary into movies. I'm there. I, I understand why why you're probably going. Oh my god, talk about movies. But these are things that Disney has relied on so heavily that, you know, when the greatest satirists of a generation come out and just like you know slap it upside the head, I think it's it's worth noticing that, you know, you know, Trey Parker and Matt Stone they're not the most conservative of people, and they come out and they make this whole whole thing. It makes fun of this on so many different occasions, so many different levels, and it's not the first time. Uh, you know, they had sexual harassment panda way back in the day. I'm a sad panda. Now they made fun of the stock market collapse and it's gone. Yeah, you know, all this stuff. They are great at seeing the flaws on the left and the right. And using that not necessarily to push a political agenda but just to call attention to how stupid some of these things are. Um uh, Last night, I watched Five Nights at Freddy's with my kids. Yeah, you know, I've never played a game once, but I love watching YouTube videos about it. This is a game that the, the lore of the game has really drawn me in, and it's just like, okay, this is really cool. And then I find out that Bloomhouse is making a PG-13 horror movie based on the game. It's like, well... I've seen get out i've seen the hunt I've seen so many of these movies that uh that bloomhouse has done and um I'm kinda nervous because yep you know, bloomhouse uh they're really kind of known for their social commentary yep you know, if you remember get out uh Jordan Peele's movie that Bloomhouse produced that was, you know, an attack on white liberals and you know how they how they view how they view blacks and the black community and you know they you they use black people to make themselves feel good about themselves. And it's a it's a big mess and, and do, 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 trying to find this. I didn't print the article off. Uh, Jason Bloom. This is a 2019 interview uh, with Nylon. I Have no clue who Nylon is. But do 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 do. All right. So the interviewer says, "But I'm glad you mentioned horror stories with a message because it's clearly important to Bloomhouse." You guys even have a queer horror podcast. Why is prioritizing marginalized groups so important to you? To which Bloom responds, Horror, traditionally, has excluded underrepresented groups, African Americans, homosexuals. Clearly, I'm upset about the opposite progress and the rise of racism, the regression. There's been an opportunity to have the faces in horror more closely represent the audience of horror. The audience of horror is not all white guys like me. People are catching up to that, but I look at my job above all else to make great movies and TV shows. They're not all great, but we're always trying to make them great. One of the ways that we that we've been able to do that, not all the time, but sometimes, is to go to pools of talent that haven't been drawn on for drawn on over the years. And okay, but. If you're casting movies, you're writing movies for one group. Um, aren't you leaving out everyone else? But the fact that when uh, you know Blumhouse partnered with uh, the creator of Five Nights at Freddy's to make this movie, it's like okay, I'm kind of who kind of worried. And then I go and watch the movie and there's some great Easter eggs in it. If you're a fan of the games, if you follow the YouTube stuff, there's one YouTuber who I watch a lot of his five nights. At I somehow missed his cameo. Like I've watched Matt Pat discuss so many things, so many things on his, you know, Game theories, food theories. I really don't watch the fashion theories. Sorry, Matt. I, I can't get into those. And the film theories. It's like, okay, I, I know who he is. I recognize him. And then for like the two minutes that he's in the movie with speaking lines, I don't, I don't even recognize him. Uh, boy, I, I felt bad. But, um... But no, they make this movie and there's no there's really no huge social justice kind of we need to represent these groups. It was a great story. They they took the story from the games and they did it in a way that was compelling. Uh, it's PG-13, so if you have kids, uh, well, okay. There's an age range where, as the parent, you r- really need to know your kids before you take it because, I mean, spoiler alert, someone gets pulled into a robot and gets bitten in half. It's not all blood and guts. You just kind of see, seeing it pulled up, and you see the silhouette of a torso of the bottom half of the body go ka-thunk to the ground. But, oh, my God, it's a great movie without some preachy message shoved in your face. Why can't we have that? Why can't we get more of that? Where it's like a uh, Blumhouse. They, they did, um, the most recent Halloween trilogy. And, you know, uh, in the second one, you know, last year took kids to the movie theater to see it. And, Okay, it wasn't awful. It, it wasn't awful with the uh, messaging. It, you know, there was a gay couple, and I loved the way that they were they were portrayed. It's like yes, they're obviously gay, but they weren't like the sole focus of the movie where everything was about them and being gay is so great. Blah 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 blah. It's just they—they they were incidental characters. Which, if you're trying to, if you're trying to increase representation in movies, having, um, you know, having characters that are they're incidental to the story or part of the story, but not making everything about them, is the best way to go. Because when it becomes everything about all their stuff, you know, their history, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, they're not even the plot of the movie. Why are there so much focus on this? It it, it just pushes people away. But, and then tonight, uh, I watched a movie on Netflix. It's called Old Dads. It's, it has Bill Burr. Now, Bill Bill Burr is not exactly what you would call a conservative. I don't even think he's a moderate. But, like like, uh, Stone and Parker from South Park, he gets it. He understands when stuff is just shoved in your face all the time with no real explanation for it. it's it's worth saying something about. Now, I'm sure his role in the movie as being that over-the-top, very outspoken, pisses-everyone-off guy, I'm sure it's a dig at a lot of those people, but the fact that he's willing to say those things, whether he's on the stage. He is the caricature of Bill Burr when he's on the stage or when he's this caricature of Bill Burr in this uh, role on, on the movie. He, he portrays a guy who's like sick of having all the stuff just shoved in your face. Yeah. For instance, you know, him and his buddies, they founded this company, they, they, they end up selling it because, you know, we're, we're at that point now in our lives where we don't want to run it. We, we want to be there. We want to be part of it, but we're tired of running it. So they sell it and they stay on as part of the board and, you know, they meet the new, the new CEO, the new owner and I'm going to turn this into an asexual, carbon neutral, blah, 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 social justice garbage. And we're going to liberate everyone who was born prior to 1988. And it's a mass firing. And they're trying to make their way in this new world uh, as, well, As far as being in this job that, you know, they founded, they started, they built it from nothing. Just getting turned on its ear to promote stuff that it's like, wait, this is so dumb. And I think one of the best parts of the movie is they're on a road trip with one of these young guys who was hired and brought into the company to go find this hermit in New Mexico And they're, they're having these conversations that are, um, well, they're, they're, they're conversation. A lot of people, I don't care how left you are, how right you are. People have these conversations. I was in the army. I know people have these conversations. Usually they're centered around sex. And would you rather do this? Would you rather do that? Who would you do? And the younger guy is like, Oh my God, you guys realize how bad you sound. And, and one of the, uh, one of the friends is like, you know, he's a black guy. He's like, I have a question. Do you like rap music? Yeah. Do you, do you like this new mumble stuff or say, like, no, no, I like this, 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 and starts naming some really old school artists. It's like, Oh, so when you're listening to NWA, do you, listen to it? you just kind of, you know, nod along with the beat or do you go with it? Do you sing? Do you rap? The oh yeah, I rap it. All the words. What when they get about to the, what about when they get to the N word? Now you're, you're just here in the car with us. When you rap along, do you say the N word? Well, uh, yeah. So you, you don't stop your flow to self-censor you say it all right turn turn on straight out of compton and they're trying to get the guy and he's like see something tells me that you don't mind saying it in private but why won't you say it in front of me i mean you just said you know if it's part of the lyrics why won't you say it in front of me it's almost like you mean something else when you are saying it and Just turning the whole argument that, you know, so many people on the right have made about these lyrics existing in rap. And then people get pissed off when Whitey McCracker face is singing the lyrics that were written word for word, not stopping their flow. And this, oh, my God, he said the N word. I'll be, I've got the vapors. No. There, there was the, what was it, the girl who was called on stage to, I forget who, what artist it was. Maybe it was Kendrick Lamar. I, I don't remember. And she's singing the words. Of the song that he wrote. That when she's out in the audience. Saying those words. That are. Oh my god that is so awful. No one cares. They get her up on the stage. And suddenly. Oh my god you're a horrible person. You said this word. You wrote it in the song. I cannot quote song lyrics. Because. My podcast will get canceled. The YouTube channel, the Twitch, it'll all get canceled because I said... I'm... Because I'm making a quote of song lyrics and I said... And suddenly, everyone gets mad. It's like, dude, why? This is a direct quote of so-and-so. I'm quoting so-and-so and they said... Be tripping. For those of you who are hearing the beep, my mouth is not moving. I'm using this to make a point. I'm not saying anything bad. I think that word is an awful word. I don't like the word. I don't listen to music where that word is sensibly. If I'm around a group of people using that word... I tend to just walk away because I ain't starting a fight. I'm not gonna direct their ire. I don't have their ire directed at me because, hey, you can't say that. That's a naughty word. No, it's just like did yeah. No, uh, uh-uh, I'm out. I don't associate with that word, that language. It's just awful, and I'm glad that there are comedians who are not afraid to point out the stupid. I'm glad when filmmakers go, you know, we could put a message in here that says something the audience of this game are probably not going to like, but we will forego that because we want to tell a great story. It it does my heart good to hear it. Anyways, I'm going to take a quick break and I will be right back. All right, so getting back into things, uh, let me tell you about coffee. In fact, my preferred brand of coffee, American Pride Roasters. American Pride Roasters is a small company out of Runnels, Iowa, that bulk orders beans, blends, flavors, and roasts, grinds to your specification, and ships it to you. Um, Their coffee is high-quality stuff. I love it. I drink it about every day. And there's so many ways you can do it. You can get, you know, a super coarse grind and you can use that for French press. Use it for uh cold brew coffee. If you have an espresso machine, you can get ultra you can get like uh the fine the fine grind for your espresso machines. Or maybe you just like to grind your own beans as you use them. You can order whole beans it is So many great ways, so many great flavors of coffee. Me, right now, I'm working on my working my way through my pound of Austin Peterson called me a retard blend. Named after I started the coffee wars by giving an honest assessment of somebody else's coffee. And they didn't like it. And then the owner the owner of uh APR got involved in the conversation and Austin Peterson called him a retard. So goes to show, and it's got a great kind of roast salty roasted peanut flavor to it. That is amazing. And it, when I first saw that in the uh, description. I was like, yeah, I don't know about this, but Hey, I'm going to do my best to support, uh, support them. So, um, I got it, and I was amazed by how well the coffee and that peanut flavor really goes together. We've got other great roasts that I love. Uh, Washington Crossing the Delaware, that was a, uh, that was a whoops order that uh, Dave decided that he was going to go ahead and roast up, see how good it is, and ship it out. Um, I'm also a huge fan of the Teddy Roosevelt, the Frederick Douglass, the Calvin Coolidge, and... Possibly my complete favorite of all the flavors that I have tried has got to be the Thomas Paine Age of Reason Remix, which is 100% Robusta Beans and a caffeine kick that really starts your day off right. So check them out, aprcoffee.com. All right. So I got like three other stories I was going to do, and I really got caught up in the, uh, the first segment with the way Hollywood was going, but uh, one of the bigger ones, that really kind of that everyone heard about and it, it sparked off the gun debate uh, was the uh, shooting in uh, Lewiston, Maine. Fortunately, the, uh, the shooter has been found dead, uh, self-inflicted gunshot wounds. And there's a lot of stuff People have questions about, well, he, he was committed for two weeks. Well, was he forcibly committed? Uh, it sounds reading, reading about it. It sounds like he was having some issues at his annual training with the, uh, army reserves during his, uh, you know, two to four weeks doing the training, the man, the mandate training with them. And his command team did send him for evaluation and treatment while they were in New York for the, for their training. He went to, he went to the hospital at West Point and that's where he was for the two weeks that he was uh, hospitalized for his mental health issues. And so unless it was adjudicated by a judge, I, I don't think they can say that he illegally got his guns because some of the, some of the guns that are in his collection and, uh, one that he had on him during the shooting and he was found with it when his body was located was bought shortly before the shooting. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, you know, he reported hearing voices and he was a very dangerous disturbed individual. And it sucks that you know, for law-abiding gun owners such as myself, I mean, I've got my gun safe around the corner with my gun secured that you know, we're all being portrayed as this guy. Like I said, this guy had mental health issues. So while police are still trying to, uh, are working on their investigation, trying to uh, figure out the why, honestly, it's looking like he had a psychotic break. There's reports that he was hearing voices, you know, auditory hallucinations, uh, was very paranoid. And he snapped. I, he He's not the first mass shooter or mass murderer in history to go through this. Where he could not see that he was becoming a danger, so he couldn't fix himself. Or as I say, fix himself, get himself treatment. And unfortunately, you know, in a society where because of issues with mental health care for decades in this country, um, you know, public, public asylums, public hospitals kind of went by the wayside, uh, There's a documentary, I think it's on Amazon, about uh, a series of kidnappings and murders in Staten Island in New York City, where one one of these hospitals that was abhorrently run was shut down and basically... Patients were just turned out on the streets. And it sucks that we would rather bitch and moan about who can or cannot have a firearm than fix the situations. We have violent criminals that they, they go to they get arrested. They go to court. They plead down because you know getting a plea deal is you know first and foremost goal of prosecutors because wins are wins. So they they plead down crimes to lesser crimes. So they do shorter stints in jail or you know a felony get gets gets pled down to a misdemeanor so they can still legally buy and possess firearms and they're back out on the streets. Meanwhile, you have, uh, nonviolent offenders. A a lot of people who are in prison for drug possession have relatively small amounts. They get felony convictions. They spend years and years in jail And don't get me wrong, I'm sure some of these are also pleas where, well, yeah, he pled guilty to possession. But if you look at the evidence, he, he was intending to sell or he was picked up in possession of a large quantity plus a firearm. You know, stuff like this. So I'm not saying that every nonviolent offender is nonviolent. I'm just saying there's quite a few who that's just what they got prosecuted on because that's what the the prosecutor could make stick. That is what they had the evidence to obtain a conviction for. So I'm not saying all the people in prison who are nonviolent are bad or are not nonviolent. Just saying there's a portion of them that are. But anyways. But and again, with the mental health thing, you, know, you see all this stuff. 22 veterans a day commit suicide. The suicide prevention emergency number. Dial was it 899? 988? I, I don't even remember because I haven't committed itself, committed that to memory. But there's a lot of claims to care about mental health, but it, it's kind of like um, the the pink ribbon thing. Pink ribbon thing, pink ribbon campaigns, especially Susan G. Holman. They're great at raising money, but. Some of these places have gotten to where raising money is more of the focus than actually doing stuff with the money. St. Jude's, I love St. Jude's, raised tons of money that goes into research to cure childhood cancer. If you have a child with cancer and you take them to St. Jude's, you're not going to have a medical bill because it's funded by donations. That's awesome. But you have these raise awareness campaigns, like I said, breast cancer, um, mental health, that instead of going towards helping, it's just, we're raising awareness for the sake of raising awareness. Send us money so we can continue to raise awareness so that we can raise more awareness. It's just an ongoing cycle. And, and, The shooter, he, he's a divorcee. And in the article I was reading, it says that the divorce happened because of quote, irreconcilable differences. And. had he been in a stable relationship and I'm, I'm not casting any aspersions on his, on his, uh, ex, but had he been in a stable relationship with someone who can see the mental decline that is occurring, maybe act as a touchstone for what is reality and what is not. Would this have happened? Because I've, I've been diagnosed with depression. I've been being uh, medicated for depression for the last couple of years. I have post-traumatic stress disorder from service in Iraq and Afghanistan. I'm a mess. But I have a wife who sees me every day. She knows who I am. She knows how I act. She knows what my baseline is. So with my PTSD, she's just like, you really need to get, get seen. You really need to get treatment for that. And before getting out of the army, I started getting treatment for that because I didn't want to be one of those veterans who is, is a mess. Uh, this guy who's in the army reserves, but I can't say PTSD because uh, from what they've seen in his records that the media has gotten hold of. He's never deployed. So, or he's never deployed to a combat zone. So, PTSD really isn't that big, that likely of a thing. Uh, It's not to say that he hasn't developed it from other sources, but because PTSD can occur following any traumatic incident, not just combat or witnessing death or near death. So I'm not going to say it's not PTSD. I'm just saying it's not likely, but if that marriage hadn't ended in dissolution, would she, like my wife have seen, okay, babe, something's not right. I love you. I care about you. We're going to get you to a doctor because this is what I'm seeing. And you used to not do that. That's how my depression was. I got to the point where I was just laying in bed every day after work and I would turn on a show on TV and just let it play. Not even really watching it, not really playing on my phone, just completely disinterested in life. And Like I said, my wife, who has seen my ups, she's seen my downs, she knows where my baseline is. She knew I was falling short of my baseline, and she put a boot in my ass, and she's the reason why I got help. When I had dark, intrusive thoughts that, uh, had I followed through with said dark, intrusive thoughts, I would not be here today. She was the first person I went to because she's my rock. She is She is my hold on what is reality. And I think having someone like that in his life could have made all the difference. And trying to use him and trying to use those 18 bodies because to the people who are just, you know, tap dancing on them, just like, oh, gun control, gun control, tappity, tappity, tap dance on the dead. They don't care about who those people were. They don't care about the lives that are permanently shattered by their loss. Uh, the 13 survivors who have to wake up every day knowing that. They lived, and possibly that person right next to them did not. They don't care about those people, the ones whose lives are forever altered because they survived. To the people who want to take guns they're victimizing those people again by using them as pawns. No different than the guy who ran the army uh, sexual assault and response program at Fort Hood who used that position working with women who were victims of sexual harassment, sexual assaults, using their vulnerability and getting them to go and turn tricks as part of a prostitution ring, which that guy didn't really get in trouble. He was forced to retire. That was about it. There is always a time and a place to have discussions on what to do with gun crime, what to do about mass shootings and everything like this. But immediately after the events, or in this case, because there was like a two day manhunt while the situation still is not resolved because they can't find the dude who did it. That is not the time. And it's heartbreaking and disgusting to see these people just immediately jump out and start doing this. It's like the bodies aren't even cold. There are family members who have not yet been I, been informed of the loss of their loved one, of the injury to a loved one. There are people who are cowering in their homes because this dude is on the loose. And you want to make it political. It is frustrating to no end. And as much as the people who are willing to wait, they're willing to let things settle down, let the facts of the case become public before having the conversation they're really not interested in ways that can truly help. They're just still waiting, looking for ways that strip you and I and themselves of their ability to defend themselves, their ability to protect them, their homes, their persons, their property. if the government gets all cray-cray and decides to start, you know, rolling tanks down the highways because, oh, the, the, the guy, the shooter, he was looking at anti-government materials. Like, people in the government would look at my show saying, be wary of them. I was part of them. I don't trust them. You shouldn't either. They would look at me and say, he's anti-government. We have to do something about him. So when you know, we have the right to bear arms, to protect ourselves, not from home invaders, not from burglars, not from muggers on the street, we have the right to bear arms, to protect us from the government. One of the truest forms of that on American soil, uh, if you look at the Battle of Athens, where a corrupt government was trying to protect itself and oppress the citizens of a county in Tennessee to maintain power and control. And local veterans, who at that time, their their gun laws said, well, you have to store your guns in in the community armory. Well, fortunately, someone who agreed with them was in charge of that armory, and they were able to get their guns. And they were able to secure the ballot boxes from the corrupt government and keep hold of them until, you know, the next morning when state leaders got there, sorted out the mess and said, okay, we're just going to count these ballots right here, right now, in front of everyone. It's one of the only times in American history where an insurrection was actually successful. So, I really don't have a whole lot more to say on the shooter in Maine. Other, I mean, like I said, it looks like as a person with devolving mental health who could not see that he needed help, And he, everything just fell apart mentally and he was compelled to commit these acts at that restaurant and at that bowling alley. My heart goes out to all the families of those killed. My heart goes out to the victims and their families and everyone left to pick up pieces in that community. I'm not trying to excuse the behavior of the shooter because, you know, regardless of was he mentally competent during the commission of that crime, he did commit the crime. If he was alive, I would absolutely be advocating for him to, since he does have a history of mental health treatment, and has reported, you know, is reported to have been here having hallucinations and delusional thinking. Absolutely, get this man into um for an evaluation if he's found not guilty due to mental, due to uh being, being insane. Okay, but he can still be held until such time. He is back on course, but he's already been, you know, found not guilty due to mental defect. So hopefully he would be well enough that he could go back into the community. But if he was found guilty and then found to have been not mentally competent, then he would be held you know, under state care in a mental health facility for the duration of whatever the sentence was passed down. And that is also an outcome that is acceptable for someone who commits a crime while under the impairment of mental illness. It's not a forgiving It's not a passing the buck. It's the accountability that can be had when someone who is not mentally there commits a horrible act. I mean, Ed Gein is possibly the only person I know of who was convicted of a crime found not mentally competent afterwards and then went on to live live out the rest of his days in a mental health facility because you know of delusion and delusional thinking that compelled him to commit his crimes with the grave robbing and everything else as well as the murders so All these situations, very seldom are they black and white. There's always a lot of gray. And I think the gray does need to be explored. The gray does need to be taken into account. But in this situation, because the shooter had ended his own life, all we're left to do is continue to ask questions and hopefully figure out what happened and try to find better ways to get people help before their mental state leads to this. That's going to wrap up the show. I know it's on a downer. It's very serious and not the joviality you've come to expect from my show. But here lately, I found myself being a lot more serious a lot more often. So for those of you sticking around through my serious phase, thank you so very much. You're, again, listening to this on podcast. Now, first of all, if you're watching this on YouTube or Rumble, please subscribe, hit the bell for notifications. If you're listening to this on podcast, same four things every week. Number one, please follow or subscribe, depending on uh, what your podcast platform offers on that notice. Once you have followed or subscribed, please rate the show. Five stars. I'm looking for five. I'll set four. Three and below, we need to have a conversation. And you will notice at the bottom of the screen, it does have me on X. At Fake Tower Morgan. Please DM me. They're open. Tell me why it's three or below. Do it it graciously, and I will graciously respond. Thank you for your commentary, and accept your one one to three stars like a man. Once you have rated the show, please write a review. Say something nice. That way, as the algorithm gets more people to find the show, they will see why people like it, or uh, the guy saying that I want to be Alex Jones or something to that effect. So, oh, everyone seems like him. Except that guy. That guy didn't really like him that much. Weird. Anyways, once you've done that, please share this episode or share the link to the show in general. To a friend who you think will enjoy the show, send it to someone who you think this will drive them absolutely bonkers. I will gladly drive your liberal friends bonkers on your behalf. It's what I do. Again, thank you so very much for listening. And as always, stay relentless. The Tyler Morgan Show is a Relentless Daring media production. The Tyler Morgan Show is supported by its listeners. To support the show, go to ko-fi.com slash Show to donate there, or relentlessdaring.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page to set up your donation. All music used in The Tyler Morgan Show is used with permission from purpleplanet.com. Link in the show notes. 2 Timothy 1-7.